I'm a firm believer when you're late, you're disrespecting another person's sure. time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, no, no, we're not waiting. We had a couple of young guys. These young guys, this wasn't even stars, would show up late to the plane. They were 20, 25 minutes late, and they show up with fast food, which means, number one, they knew they were late, <laughs> and they stopped to get food, which pissed me off even more. Lead by Example with Bob Myers is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook. You bet, you get. With Caesars Rewards, must be 21 or older. Welcome to Lead by Example. I'm your host, Bob Myers. Today, special guest, Charles Barkley. <laughs> I didn't do a big uh, whatever points and rebounds you averaged and all that stuff. I didn't do that. Are you okay? It, you know, just... it was so long ago, they don't even have tape of it. That's how long. <laughs> you, know, I've been, you know, it's crazy, Bob. I've been retired for 22 years. That's crazy, isn't it? That's that's and 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 you made you made you made the same money that these guys make, right? That's the only thing that's the same, right? <laughs> you made fifty. The money was the same, right? That's that's beautiful, right? You know what's crazy? Uh, the mo- I, I man, I'm so lucky and blessed. I'm never gonna complain because you know I made more money than Will Chamberlain, Kareem, and guys like that. But I always tell people, I say, yo, man, I made five billion dollars. That was my peak. And it was the greatest thing ever. Now these guys are making thirty, forty million dollars. I'm like, hey, you know what? Bless yeah. them. You know, but yeah. and you know what? I, it, I make more money on television than I do when I play. That's what's crazy. Well, how, yeah. How many players now? Because um, you interact with guys, say thank you to you. How many guys have come up to you and said, "Hey, thank you for building the NBA"? Not many, uh, but you know what? It's more important for me when they see Kareem, Bill Russell before he passed away. If you happen to see Walt Frazier, you know, guys like those the guys. I mean, because, listen, I made great money, but those guys didn't make any money. And to me, I think it's really important. Every time I see Kareem, I tell him thank you. Yeah. You know, every time I saw Mr. Russell, I said, thank you. If I bump into Clyde Frazier, I say, thank you. Because guys like that, uh, man, you know, at the All-Star game, when they had the 75 greatest, you know, when I saw Jerry Lucas and guys like that, you know, it's just so thank those guys, you know. But, yeah. man, we I've had a good run. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> so, so, so you are doing something that – I mean, you say it's obvious to thank these guys. I bet that doesn't happen as much as it should. I mean, I would imagine not as much people. As, you don't get that. And and I would say you might be these current guys' versions of them. They knew who you were. They probably watched you. It's not they don't know who Kareem is, but you're their, you're their guy growing up, a lot of these guys, or one of them. You, you know, that's interesting, though, because how old is Jonathan Kaminga? He's 19. Think about it, Bob. I've been retired for 22 years. You know, I'm mean, like I know. a lot of these guys of you know leaving school after one year. Yeah, a guy, a guy has. Think about it. Even if a guy was five or six, he really don't have a recollection of what I was or what I played. So, yeah. a guy has to almost be 30 to 35 to realize the most of these yeah. guys they never yeah. see me play. That's yeah. that's why I think it's always interesting. We have these debates of how great guys were. I says, well, I'm never going to disrespect uh, Kareem, uh, you know, Bill Russell, Oscar Robinson. You know, I said because I never really saw. I mean, obviously, I saw Kareem. I played against him his last mm-hmm. couple of years, 
but most of the great players, when you talk about all-time greats, uh, none of I didn't even see those guys play. Let me talk about young you. You were um, you, you mentioned raised by your grandma and your and your mom, both of them, or was it more your grandma? Uh, my grandmother was the leader of the family. Uh, so and did I you have live with her. Great mother. My mother was a maid, and my mo- grandmother worked in like a, the meat factory, and. But they were great because, uh, you know, Bob, when you're growing up poor, you didn't realize you're poor, you know, because we yeah. we never starved. We always we, we had we lived in the projects, but we never starved. We got one one nice thing for Christmas every year. I didn't realize we were poor until I got older. And well, when did that stop for a second? Like when you were a kid, so you you did live you lived in the projects. You actually yeah, I lived that's in the where you live twice. Yes, sir. So what did you get for Christmas? So so. Give me like a Christmas gift of the ten-year-old child. Like, what did you actually get? I probably got a pair of shoes. Uh, that was and it. That was it. That was it. it. Like, it, yeah, that was it. That was it. A that box was it. of shoes. Like, like I said, that was it. Yeah. In the meat factory I, at the time, two of my brothers have passed away, and I got one still living. So, a single mom and a single grandmother trying to make ends meet for four boys. You know, it's not a lot of left yeah. over. Yeah, no. Uh, so, so no. really, so but they were great though. Uh, they, yeah. it came because in the beginning I sucked at basketball because I was uh-huh. only five ten, and I grew from five ten to six five in one year. That's why people, you know, when people talk about my recruiting, nobody recruited me. Nobody's looking for a five yeah. ten backup point guard. So, yeah. so but no, 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 but but go when ahead. I grew to six five and became a, a really good high school player. My mother and grandmother came to every game. And, man, it meant the world to me. And I always tell parents this, man, go see your kids play. They, they, You being there is the best thing you can do as a parent. Did you did you tell them that when they were showing up? Could you say that? Did you I did say not. that to them? I, I didn't know it because, you know, you know, I'm, I'm – Yeah, no, kid. Because kids, a lot of these kids are stupid like me. Like, you don't want to be like – Man, I'm glad my mom and grandmother are here. Yeah, I don't sure, sure. Other dudes, because it kind of makes you look soft to a certain degree. But now I'm old enough, like, man, I'm so glad, especially since they're both gone now. I really, it really meant a lot to me them being up in the stands. Well, let me ask you a question. So I don't know the answer to this, and if you don't want to talk about it, it's okay. Was not, I don't know the story of your dad. Like, was that ever? You know, my dad is interested. Uh, you know, you know. Bob, I hated my dad for a long time because he was never there. Uh, he was never in my life, really, until the last. We got back together, and I actually buried him last summer. But I used to resent him. I tell you, when this first thing happened, so my dad wasn't in my life at all. But then did I'm you know who he was, Charles. Did you did you know who, did, who he was? Know? Yeah. Okay. He I knew wasn't he, was. he wasn't. He, left, he left when I and he actually moved to California. I think that's as far okay. as you can get away from Alabama, but but not going right. across the ocean. <laughs> yeah, right. And we were never close, but this was the breaking point. So he comes to my graduation, but I flunk Spanish. First of all, I have no idea why I'm taking Spanish. I might add, that's how stupid in I was. Alabama. <laughs> so I flunk Spanish, and I don't get to march, and he rips me a new. I mean, he goes crazy. I flew off from California, blah, blah, blah. And, man, I was already devastated. I was devastated mm-hmm. that I didn't get to march. I yeah. actually, 
in my hometown, the football stadium and the basketball stadium are side by side. I was so traumatized, I went next door to the baseball stadium and stood on the top rung of the stadium and watched the graduation and cried the entire time. Uh, And I remember that night like it was yesterday, and I was like, I'm never going to give people a chance to screw me again. I And th- this is how stupid and immature I was. I blamed them for flunking Spanish. You know, I, yeah. I hated this teacher named yeah. Miss Gomez because she was one of the most kind, amazing people. But when I didn't, when I flunked and couldn't graduate, I had a bitter anger toward Miss Gomez for 20 years. Then I realized, like, you know, you big dummy. It was really your fault you flunked right. Spanish. Yeah. But I really wasn't really going to give my dad a second chance. Then he got sick. And I said, and Wait, I, Charles, were you upset because your dad came and you could, couldn't see you? Or were you just mad at yourself like I screwed No, I was up. mad because he went off on me for flying all the way to California. Yeah, and you disappoint. So you were you were upset because you disappointed your dad, or because no, I was disapp- I was pissed because this dude hadn't been in my life my entire. Uh, yeah, and he, okay, I got you. I and got he you. makes me yeah. feel like shit. like I already. Yeah. Been yeah. And he's like complaining that he flew all the way from California to see me graduate, and I don't graduate. Yeah, and, gotcha. I, I was already gotcha. traumatized. Yeah, sure. But I stood yeah. there on that stadium and watched every. I think we had a hundred and ten people graduate. And I sit there and watch him, and I cried the whole three hours. And that night, I, it, I, my life was like, yo, man, you cannot let other people control your life. You got to take care of your own life. You can't ever put, like, give anybody the power to screw you up again. And that yeah. was the first major turning point in my life. Because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I learned something from this. And then it took me years to realize, like, why are you mad at Miss Gomez? You flunked yeah. Spanish. Yeah. And, so that that was the first turning point in my life. And so for you, if your mom, you, there's a quote I read, your mom, your grandma said to you, you know, you're, if you didn't get a double-double, you're a da- damn embarrassment to the family. That's a kind of harsh, that's not an easy thing to live up. Double-doubles aren't that easy. Yeah, live, but my grandmother, you know? man, she was father, general, soldier. She yeah. ran a really... She was hard, and she she like she made she would she didn't take no BS off anybody, and she thought she was a coach, player coach, Mm. and I'd get a phone call whether it's in college, even in the NBA, boy, you embarrassing this damn family. How in the hell can you play a whole basketball game and not get ten rebounds? I'm like, granted, no, I don't want to hear it. So. That was my thing that got me to the NBA is rebounding. So she used to get so mad at me. Like, I'd be sitting on the yeah. bus after the game, and whether we won or lost, and I see that number pop up, and I'm like, oh, this can't be good. Cause she, yeah. he, and it was like, you never get less than 10 rebounds, Charles. You never, and I mean, that was yeah. her motto. That was that, the thing. Yeah, that was her motto. Hey, you get, you get at least 10 rebounds every single night. That's what got you to the NBA. If you don't get double digits rebounds every night, you're not representing. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. Hey, 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 let me ask you a question. So, her and your mom. So, you're young, Charles, living in Alabama. Was there a time you remember where, in that state, in the place you live, where you came home and looked at your grandma, or your mom, and you said, "Why am I being treated?" Maybe you said it differently, but why are people treating me differently? because I'm a black guy or I'm a kid. Like, did you have a moment in your life where you experienced 
racism or 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 kind of like maybe it was even college or after yeah. well because I, the reason i asked charles is I, I i feel like you're a good person you you don't hold back much it seems to me in what you say and i think part of the reason you have that ability is because of what you've gone through in your life i don't know if that resonates with you but it's almost like i can say these things because i lived this i, I lived this life it, uh, it, alabama you're 100 percent correct but because my grandmother, the greatest person ever, she talked to me about Muhammad Ali. She talked to me about Dr. King. She talked to me about Mega Evers. She talked to me about Nelson Mandela. She would always talk to me, but she would always say, now, this is not about black and white. This is about right and wrong, because there are a lot of white people out here who are helping in this fight. And the number one thing she told me don't ever be racist. It makes you and it's just wrong. Mm -hmm. And it was really a learning experience for me because I didn't, even though they bombed the church in Birmingham the year I was born, I'm too young to understand that. You know, I didn't find out about the Montgomery boycott till later. I didn't learn about the Selma massacre till later. But the best thing ever happened, my grandmother said, Charles, this is, it's always gonna be different you being black. There's always gonna be racism. But you have to understand, there's a lot of people who are not black, whether they're Jewish, whether they're just white folks, they are here w walking with us. And that's the way I try to live my life. But I will tell you something that was interesting. One of my best friends in the world is a guy named Pep Mock. He, him and his family are the salt of the earth. And one good thing about a small town, you don't have all that overt racism that you had in other places around the country, to be honest with you. I never, the first time I felt like something different was like, it actually happened in my own house. Mm. Uh, Pep, Pep's mom uh, said, hey, you want to come over for the weekend? And I'm like, oh, I would love to. And I went and told my mom, and I said, mom, Pep's mom invited me over. And she says, now, well, how do you want to handle that? I says, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. I says, I mean, this one, this one of my best friends on the team, she's like, well, they live on the white side of town. We don't go over there. And I'm like, mm. mom, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And then she sit me down, her and my grandmother, and we talked about it. I says, hey, yeah, you know what? I, I don't want to live like y'all. I don't uh -huh. want to grow up like... I, I want to be friends with white people. I want to have white friends. I don't want to stay on my side of town. And the only yeah. time I see these guys at basketball practices in school, I said, we go on to school together. I think we should be friends. And that was yeah. another turning point in my life. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to live. I understand. I'm old enough to understand this stuff now. But if I don't make a change, if I keep the status quo, we're never gonna, like, I don't want to live like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and like I say, I'm very aware of racist, racist, racism happens even now, I'm almost 60. But you have to make a choice where you want to be part of the problem, you want to be part of the solution. And I yeah. choose to be because of my grandmother. She's like, hey, anytime you're racist, you're just a But the main thing, it's just wrong, plain and yeah. simple. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, this is leadership i think in a, an interesting way and i want to talk about auburn i want to talk about um the nba but 
I think now in your life, you get you got a big voice and you've earned that, right? But part of it, I think, is one how authentic you are, mm-hmm. I, I, and I think that's a rarity. I do. I think it's hard to find people that you you have always been a guy, whether you played or not. This is me. Like you like me or you don't, but this is who I am. And a lot of players, that's a struggle for people that are famous or rich or well known. But now, when you speak, the things you say really affect people like your voice is powerful and so sometimes people get upset with that sometimes people feel a need to respond to you and you are kind of like hey why are you so upset but there's a power in what you do but but i feel like you're saying it from a place of it's not a mean place does that make sense it, it's just yeah, this is it, what you think bob that was actually my first learning experience going back to dr j i think we were in 90 97, not 97, 87, 88, when I'm becoming a star. Number one, I'm never going to say anything out of spite or hurt. Because uh, like I say, I'm always trying to be honest and be fair. But how I got to this point. So I think it was my second year in the league, I'm becoming a star. We had traded Moses. Doc was on his last leg, but he was a great mentor. And I says, Doc. I'm having some trouble with some things. He says, sit down, let's talk about it. He talked to me, he says, now the number one thing is, I, I, I'm, our lockers are close together. I know exactly what you're trying to do. He says, what? He says, you can't make everybody happy, young fella. He says, you will go crazy. First of all, trying to remember all the lies you told to that person, to that person. He says, right. you're going to have to make a decision what type of star you want to be, what type of personality you want to have. And I'm going to stick with you no matter what. He said, but now, if you're going to come out here and try to please people, your, your head going to be on a swivel 24-7. Now, the other choice, he, and he's and he's kind of lived that life. Doc wanted to please everybody. Right. But he, but he realized, like, later in life, like, nah, I should have been maybe a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go the other approach. He says, now, you're going to be dodging a lot of arrows being honest. Yeah. He said, but the best thing about it, you're going to be able to look yourself in the mirror. Yeah. And the other person who told me that was Dick Ebersol. He He's my mentor for his television. We sit down and talk about me going into television. He says, Charles, I think you would be great on television. And I think I had one more year to go. He says, you're going to be great on television, but you're always going to be in trouble. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. He said, Charles, when people tell you they want honesty, they really don't want honesty, especially fans. Fans want two things. Tell me my favorite player is great and tell me my team is great. And if you don't say that, you're You don't think, and I think it's humility, you are self-aware and humble enough to know what's the big deal. But the big deal is people care what you think to a level that you don't understand. And even going back, Charles, when you said – I remember because I was a kid when you said, I'm not a role model. And I remember growing up going, of course, Charles isn't a role. Like, uh, and then people got upset when you said that. And I was more thinking like, well, why would, why would Charles? And, and look, sure, you're a great player. But I think the way you said it was like, don't look to me um, to be yeah. your role model. But then you took so much heat for that. And then I think it came full circle where you were kind of like, okay, if if you view me as a role model, I'll try to be one. But you were saying that from a place of pick someone else 
Because there's other people like Mandel, all the people you mentioned. Yeah. But so, I thought that was fascinating. Well, so it was it was very fascinating because when I went to Nike with that commercial, they're like, that's right now. And I said, no, no, no. Let's do this. I'm going to explain why. Let's do it. Right. You have nuts. I said, well, let me explain why I want to do the commercial. First of all, it's going to spark a great debate. Bob, I'm very aware when I say certain things because sometimes I'm just trying to get, get the conversation going. Let's get the conversation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so in this one, I said, okay, they're like, if you want to do this, let's do it. Because what the reason I made the commercial, we got too many black kids who think they can only be successful through sports and entertainment. So yeah. we have we have way too many segregated schools in this country. So obviously guys on teams do a lot of speaking. You go mm -hmm. to predominantly white schools, you go to predominantly black schools, and I always ask at the end, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I noticed when I would go to a predominantly white school, guy would say, I said, I said, well, how many of y'all want to play pro sports? Only like 10 to 15 percent of the white kids are raising their hand. I said, what do you want to do? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. I want to be a teacher. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Because I know how hard it is to get to that NBA. So it's like hitting that lottery. But the problem was when I would go speak at these black schools, well, I said, how many of y'all want to play sports? It was pretty much 100 raising their hand. I said, oh, man. And I yeah. let it actually go on for a couple of years before I was like, these black kids think they can only play sports and be entertainers. They don't think they can be doctors, lawyers, engineers, sure. teachers, and things like that. So I said, so I go, I got my friends. I say, make sure we pay attention to these things. So when we're speaking, and I said, I'm going to go to Nike with this commercial. And I want to say, give Nike a lot of credit because they came back to me after about two years and says, it's one of the best things we ever did. We were wrong. Mm -hmm. And 90%, they said 90% of their letters from people were positive, saying, I said, I, I tell people, I said, I'm the only guy in the world who ever got in trouble for telling kids to listen to their parents. I mean, that, that's how crazy some yeah. of this I, is, I, it, it, it was kind of like, so when I asked you, I think you said my role model was my grandma or, yeah. or my mom. And well, I think I looked at it like, yeah, why would your role model be an NBA player that you don't even know? But I was in San Quentin one time, Charles, and this was during the Kaepernick stuff. And Harry, Harry Edwards was, it was a prominent kind of civil, uh, you know, just guy from Cal Berkeley. And he was speaking to the San Quentin inmates, and I was in there. And he said the same thing you said, which was he would go speak to a group of, you know, inner city kids and say, how many, how many of you want to be President Obama? And you'd think, you know, a few guys. How many of you want to be Steph Curry or LeBron James? All of them, right? All of them. And so, you, right. So then you go, okay. I'm not going to change that. So what do I do with it? Right. And I think that's what you're doing now where you go, okay, you want me to be a role model? If you want to look up to me. And I think with all the things you're doing outside of broadcasting, have you kind of said, okay, if you want me to do that, if people are looking at me um, and I am a role model for you, then I'm going to do these things. Man, basketball has been so great to me. I mean, being I'd be 60 and I ain't never had a real job in my life. So now on the backside of my life, I'm trying to make sure that I do some good stuff with the the, the, the blessings that I've had because, mm -hmm. you know, the money that I'm making now, the charity stuff I'm doing right now is really important and significant to me. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'm in a good space. The tough mm -hmm. thing for me is going to decide when to walk away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and 
Because, like I say, I want to leave too soon instead of too late. More lead by example after this. With Caesars Sportsbook and Casino, every bet earns with Caesars Rewards. That means whether you win or lose, you're always earning towards perks like free stays at iconic Caesars properties, game tickets, dining, and more. And if you haven't started yet, here's a reminder. Your first bet is on Caesars, up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code OMAHAFULL and place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get your stake back as a bet credit. Must be 21 or older, offer valid, and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit $1,250. Must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. No when to stop before you start gambling problem arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP colorado wyoming kansas affiliated with kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF louisiana call 1-877-770-STOP licensed through horseshoe Bossier city and horace new orleans michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 gambler 1-800-426-2537 or west virginia visit 1-800-gambler.net new york call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text hope new york 467-369 another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. So if you were around a locker room now uh, as a coach or a GM or just in a team, I'll tell you what you got as a player that these players don't know that they're missing is you got a bus ride where you sat next to a teammate like Dr. J or Moses and you talked to him about life. You got in the training room or in the locker room, you got to talk about the team and the game and probably made these relationships that you have still now, Charles, now with these phones, it's, it's like you got your own little life you're leading by yourself and on the bus, there's nobody talking to anybody. And it's not just our team and it's our, our team is pretty close. We've been together a long time, but as I move through my part of professional sports, I always wish that people built these relationships because as you know when you're done playing that whole team thing is over like you got your group of people that you work with but, but 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 now guys are like 
they're spending time on their phones. And I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but when you played, you probably talked about whatever with your teammates. Is that true? Well, because those guys, man, they, first of all, the best thing ever happened to me basketball wise is probably Moses Malone. You know, so Bob, I was the number five pick in the draft. And when I was in college, I was about between 295 and 300 pounds my, in my college. But I led to SEC in rebounding all three years I was in college. And so I was the number five pick in the draft. I wasn't getting to play. And me and Moses happened to live in the same neighborhood, in the same building, excuse me. And I asked him, I said, Mo, can I come up and see you tonight? I got something I need to talk to you about. And I, he said, yeah, come by, young fella. And I went up there that night, and I said, Moses, why am I not getting a play? He says, son, you're fat and lazy. I'm like, what? He says, Chuck, you can't play at 300 pounds in the NBA. That was the best thing ever happened to me, Bob, yeah. by far. Because like I say, I was I didn't know I needed to lose weight because I was having success. So he says, and Moses already one of the best ever to do it. He says, I'll meet with you before practice, after practice. He said, let's lose 10 pounds. I get to 290. I'm starting to feel better, working harder. I get to 280. Mm-hmm. Now I'm actually starting to get to play a lot. He takes me to 270, 260, 250. This guy helped me lose 50 pounds, yeah. Bob. Best thing ever happened to me, and the rest yeah. is history. I didn't know I could, first of all, I didn't know I could lose 50 pounds. I didn't know I was that damn right. fat. But if this guy hadn't taken me under his wing, mm-hmm. you know, Dr. J taught me about how to dress. Mm-hmm. He's like, Charles, you're not in college. Don't wear warm up suits. Go get mm-hmm. some suits. He took me shopping. We bought some suits. Yeah. I remember very well this guy. We went to a place called Boards in Philadelphia. He took me, got me five to seven suits, five or six sports coats. It was like $32,000. I never spent, I guarantee you, my mother and grandmother had never made $32,000 their entire life. Uh, More to guarantee it. When I got the bill, I was like, holy (laughs) ho. And I was like, he said, this is why you have to dress, son. This is professional professional and things like that to go back to your point about you know man you need to learn from the guys around you you know and let me tell you something you guys got one of the most unique setups i'm not saying this because of your podcast man if i could learn from if i'm a guard i could learn from steph curry clay thompson yeah i'd be like damn where we going to dinner tonight guys yeah where are we going to dinner hey Steph, okay, I'm getting, I'm leaving practice. Damn, Steph and Clay still here. Yeah. Shoot, maybe I should stay yeah. here and shoot. Yeah. And the same thing, like, wait a minute, whatever Iguodala's yeah. doing, yeah. I want to do yeah. that. Too. Yeah. Whatever Andre's yeah. doing, I want to do. Even Draymond, I said, what is Draymond yeah. doing? Like, you guys, like, I can understand guys on certain teams, like, yeah, I don't want to be around sure. these guys. But your team, if I can learn from Clay yeah. and Steph and Iguodala, yeah. Yeah. And Draymond, I'm like, yeah. hey, whatever they're doing, yeah. I'm doing. Period. But you, you know, it's a little, which I think is a compliment to them. I think the best teams police themselves. You know, like sounds like Moses. Yeah, I, I can't. Everybody, you know, whether even coaches now, me, it's best thing I can do is find guys that do what you suggested. Like, you know, can they manage their own team? 
can the players – because if the players aren't doing it, no coach can do it. If the players don't want to do it with each other, no GM certainly. Um, but that's that's the hard thing, right? That's the hard thing. Like you mentioned Moses and Dr. J, but you played for how many years? And, and there's like five guys that probably have the talent and the mental part where they can do those things. You know, and you probably remember them. You know? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard because, number one, you're an amateur psychiatrist. Mm. Uh, I have, to, I'm telling you, 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 because you, Dr. J says, he, he taught me a lot. He says, son, you can't coach that guy like that guy because I'm playing with Mahorn and a guy named Derek Smith, and we're yellers. Wait, you're a yeller? Like, if somebody you, tell you're a me, yeller? <laughs> yes. I, I, like, I, I, I'm a yeller. I know, I, I believe that. Like, when Mahorn, I believe you. When Mahorn and Derek Smith yells at me, I'm going right. to pick it up. And, and then so and, – and I got caught yelling at a couple guys sometime, and Doc would pull me aside and says, Chuck. Not him, yeah. You're a star now. Your job, you got to learn the team. You got to learn every individual player. Some guys, you can kick them in the ass. Some guys, you have to pat them on the ass and say, come yeah. on, man. Yeah, come on, yeah. I got you. Sure. I got you. And that was the hardest part because you, 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 what you said a couple minutes ago, it's, it's a – the guys on the team have to police each other. The coach – unfortunately and probably worse today right. by far don't have a lot of control mm. over the team yeah. yeah you know i mean it's it's up to the players to police yeah. themselves yeah. and each other i mean like i said i hate that aspect because let me tell you something when i got there billy cunningham ran a tight ship he's like hey uh everybody's here except dr j and moses he's like what time is it five o'clock let's mm. go mm. he's like yeah let's yeah. go we said the bus leaves at five o'clock. We're leaving at yeah. five o'clock. He didn't care yeah. who it was. And I played for a couple other teams that like, and we weren't this successful for a reason. Like, well, they not here yeah. last week. Yeah. And actually my last thought was probably the worst. Yeah. We'd wait 20, 30 minutes really? on players. Guys who wasn't even <laughs> stars. That, hey, Bob, that Charles, I think that's explode. probably what happens too much now. Like that's, you you play you wouldn't nowadays probably worse probably worse probably harder you um like no 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 go ahead it, it, hey I'm a firm believer when you're late you're disrespecting another person's sure. time yeah I agree yeah like no, no no we're not waiting we had a couple of young guys these young guys this wasn't even stars would show up late to the plane they were twenty twenty five minutes late and they show up with fast food which means number one they knew they late and they stopped to get food which pissed me off even more i was like yeah. and the coach and the coach was one of the good guys i've ever played for he's like he didn't want any confrontation yeah. i said we're never yeah. gonna be successful yeah. without conference you were you were on time for that like are you really always on time are you serious when you say that or are you you got to be on time Bob, because respectful to your yeah time but you actually time. i'm just talking from this yeah. pocket like i didn't think you'd be on time you were on time and then i said i'm surprised you're on time you said of course i'm on time yeah, because I, it's disrespectful I, I, to you. I appreciate it. I just because hey, wait, wait, let me ask you a question. Let's say hypothetical, you had some to yeah, do. Yeah, was really yeah. important. Like, Chuck, you, uh, you, you were late, yeah. so no. I got to cut the podcast yeah, yeah. short. I was like, no, I'm on time because you might have your time is just. As I know, but as mine. but here's why you're likable because of that. Because people in your position um, abuse that. 
Because I would have waited for you. Of course. It's up to you. Yeah. Not you as a person, but yeah. you. Who you are. Because, man, you know this. It's This whole sports thing got so much bull yeah. involving yeah. it. I tell people, I've had guys look me in the face and say, I said, wait, are y'all going to trade me? No, we're not going to trade you. I said, well, this team called me and said, asked me if I want to raise if I get traded. <laughs> this I is a true story. Yeah. This team calls me and says, the coach calls me and says, Chuck, we're going to trade for you, but we want to make sure you're not going to hold out. I said, wait a minute. I'm the only good player yeah, we got yeah, on this right? team. How the hell are you going to trade yeah. me? He like, okay, no. So then I called the owner. He says, like, I said, yo, man, are y'all shopping yeah. me? He's like, what are you talking about? We're not shopping you. I said, well, some teams say y'all are shopping me. He said, Chuck, we're not going to trade you. I said, okay. But an hour later, the same team calls back to Chuck. We're going we're gonna to pull the trigger on the trade. We want to yeah. make sure you're not going to be hold out. And then I knew it yeah, was yes. true. And I said, hey, pull the hey, trigger. Chuck, let, let, let me ask you this, though. On that story, because I've had to do this, and I didn't, I'll tell you my, I don't, I didn't lie. Um, what if you call that team you're on, and I'm the GM, and you go, hey, I heard you're shopping me. And I go, yep. What do you, and I go, yeah. What do you, okay, I yeah. That, I, would respect, I, would, I would respect yeah. that Okay, you would have. Then you are me. the rare, I, I don't like, here, I, a player asked me that one time. You going to trade me? I said, I don't know. Maybe. And I said, can you handle that answer? And he kind of put his head down, and I said, listen, I'm not going to lie for you. I'm not going to do that for you. I said, I'm not going to – I'm going to know I told the truth. I'm going to go to bed tonight knowing that I told you the truth. I'm not doing that for you. I'm doing it for me. So so here's my question, though. I, I'm yeah, yeah, but you're – you. I, I agree because a lot of players say, oh, they never told me. And I don't do it. Like I said, I will tell people the truth. But But most players don't want the truth. Like you, you, let's say, let's say you said, Charles, you said, hey, I heard you're shopping me, Bob. Yep, Charles, I am. And then you go, you. And I go, hey, we may not trade you. So you better keep a good attitude. Could you do it? I'm just wondering. Can, could you? Yes, I, because clearly they were going to trade right. me one way or the other. Just, I, I guarantee you, any player you talk to says, Hey, Bob was honest with okay. me. That's all I, I can. Yeah. I knew what yeah. was happening. Like sometimes you get the phone call, "Hey, pack yeah. your shit, you're gone." Yeah. Uh, but I respect any, I respect any coach because I know how hard it is in this business. As long as the GM and the coach are honest you're with good. me, because but you got to understand something though. In fairness, I'm old school. More lead by example after this. And we're back. We talked a little while ago about your idea of coaching GM. Like, do you, how much do you think about that stuff? I know you're doing great at what you're doing now, but how does that live in you? Well, I, I really want to do it probably for about 10 to 15 years. <laughs> hey, so it's really funny you say that because me and Ernie have a joke. Uh, he pulls it out every now and then in a, because when he he sit me down when I first got to Turner and he says Chuck be honest with me how long are you gonna be here I said Ernie I'm looking at two two to three years and then I hope I want to I want to be a GM or something like that he says okay 
I said, but two or three years. And he says, how's year three going for you? He says that to me like <laughs> twice a year. How's year three going for you? And now I'm at year 22. Yeah. You know, I think it's probably passed for me. I really wanted a job a couple of years ago, and I thought I had the job. Because, you know, this ain't – we're not brain surgeons over here at TNT. We get paid to watch basketball and talk about it. You know, I'm not – I love what you do because, to me, especially your job has gotten so much harder now because used to – in the old days, I got to see a guy play like three or four yeah. years of college. Yeah. You got to make that decision in six months yeah. now. It's hard. And I'm like, whoa, it's that's hard. That's, like, that's, like drafting you your freshman year, what would you have been picked in the draft? What do you think? Oh, I probably would have went late, but may, maybe second maybe, round. right? So you show up. This is yeah. the problem, and I I think I appreciate it. It is a hard job. It's hard in any sport now. And uh, you show up. We, Warriors draft Charles Barkley, 19 years old. And you show up, and you're, like you said, maybe not in shape. And you're a second-round pick. So nobody really cares too much about you being yeah. 300 pounds. So my coach goes, I yes. can't play Barkley. He's 300 pounds. And my trainer goes, I tried to tell him to lose weight. And I go, don't worry about him. He's a second-round pick. Like, you know what? We got to focus on this. Yeah. And you could be out of the – like, that's the hard part. And we would have missed out on yeah. some generational guy like you because it was the, you weren't ready. And, and we tried. and That's the hard part. That's the tough part. Well, what makes it even, what makes it even worse is these <laughs> on television. Like – and some of them are my friends. They're such on TV now. Like, they're calling a the kid a bust after yeah, a year or after six weeks yeah, but, now. Not not necessarily, not necessarily just in the NBA, but I'm talking about – I would hate to be an NFL quarterback yeah. because you look at Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning, two of the best to ever do it. I think they both were like 1-15 yeah. back yeah. then. Can you imagine – uh, the, the, like a number one draft pick or quarterback going the first round nowadays, going one and fifteen, they're like he's a bust. Yeah, he's yeah, a bomb. Yeah. I mean, it's because that's how powerful know, television is. Though it, it, they tell you, they tell you what to think and it, everything. We, when we make a trade or a um, draft pick, Charles, they'll they'll grade it. Okay, so it's I like know. the trade. We got an A plus. I mean, I I go. I don't. It could be an F. I mean, or you got an F on that draft pick. I go. How how is it an F? The kid hasn't even. We haven't given him a jersey yet. Like, how is it an F or yeah. or an A? Like, he hasn't played in the game. What do you mean A? Well, that's like that's like when you guys got Wiggins. Yeah, F. That's what everybody most said. Of grade, most, yeah. of grades, most of the grades. Most of the grades are like I don't know what the hell yeah. they doing out of yeah. Golden State, and then. uh and all of a sudden, you guys win yeah. the championship, yeah. and he's yeah. with the second best yeah. player yeah. there. And then, but that's the thing about it: there's no responsibility on their part. They like they're like, "What the hell are the Warriors yeah. doing? Going yeah. out getting Wiggins? Blah blah blah." Then you win the championship. They never said, "Yo, I was wrong." Yeah, no, no. On it's my funny because when trade. we won it last year, Curry, everybody had this idea that Steph was taking receipts, and he was going shooting back at people that say we weren't going to win it. And I asked Steph, I said, what? I said, um, were you really bothered by people saying we weren't going to win it? He goes, nah, this is funny. You know, he said, people say we couldn't, but, but he's unique like you where a lot of these people can't do yeah. that. 
you said we suck, Charles, yeah. and we we proved you wrong. You're like, I don't care. Like, you did suck at that. Yeah, you did Sorry. suck early in the season. Now you won it. Good for you. Yeah. You know. So it's just, you're right. But most people can't look at it like that. It's hard. They they do care if they yeah. got to grade this or that, or they're a bust, or somebody says that. It's hard. Like, it's powerful. Yeah, but but when I speak to I speak to a lot of college teams and some athletes and pro teams, and we always talk about self esteem. I said, guys, it's called self-esteem. It's not yeah. what this yeah. f- do. It's not what you, your wife yeah. says. It's not what your girlfriend says. Your your peace, not just basketball. Your self belief as yeah. a person. But those are two because those are two different yeah. things. Basketball is what you do, but you got to be a good person away from the basketball court. But it's called self-esteem because if you live your life worrying about what everybody else say about you, you would go crazy. You know, you would go crazy because how many people have like a really pure heart when they are criticizing you? Like, I don't like you because of this. That's why I'm saying nice, uh, mean things to you. I I mean, so so you can't worry about whatever Tom, Dick and Lucy say. You can't do that. You'll but, go but the crazy. hard part now is, Charles, is you pick up the phone that we all carry everywhere, and then you can find out what people think about you. All you know, and, and the problem now is for a lot of at least athletes, up until a certain age, if you make it pro, ninety percent of it has been how great you are, and then you get to the pros, and and most guys struggle. Quarterbacks, uh, you mentioned some, and, yes. and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, these people are mean. And they loved me yes. before. And then you have to sit this guy down and go, okay, listen, here's the deal. It didn't matter when they said you were great. And it doesn't matter that they say you suck. And that's a hard thing for a 19, 20, 21-year-old to process. Because yes. they're kind of like, wait a sec, when I was 14, I was the number one quarterback. And then they said I was great. And I got recruited to all these schools. And now they say I'm a bust. What the? F- that's not an easy thing. Yeah, It's not because... Like, parents walk up to me all the time talking about their kid going to be in the NBA. They're like, my son is Mr. Florida. He's going to be in the NBA one day. You know what I'm saying to myself, yeah. Bob? I guess you don't know they got 49 others those out yeah, there, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, like, you, so- you, you, you know what I say to these people? Like, um, I know you might be friends with, with Tiger Woods or some of these guys. And I go, okay, your kid's going to be in the NBA. Like, what do you think that means? Does that mean he's going to be a good person? Yeah. I go, I'll tell you what it might mean. Yeah. He might be rich. That's it. Like, you don't – that doesn't mean he's going to be a good dad or a good husband or a good friend. But you think this is the – and you look at Tiger and you go, yeah, Tiger was, is maybe the best golfer in the history. Was his life easy? Like, has his path been easy? Yeah. And you go – and if I told you and you got kids, like, would you give them his life? And you might be like, No. I, no, no, and that's crazy. Like, if somebody asks you, like, you're you got kid, you go, hey, you want your kid to be the best at something ever? You might go, I don't know about that. W- what does that mean? You know, and, and, but but people don't do that. My kid's gonna be in the NBA. That's gonna solve all my problems. And I go, what are you talking about? That might create some. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it, it, there's a great saying. I think it's, hey. Live your life. Yeah. Don't try to live anybody else's life. It's already taken. Yeah. Charles, how many kids for you? How many children? Do you this one what? you know, Bob, I got one daughter. She's thirty three. She had just had my first grandson. 
His name is Little Henry. It's the greatest great. thing ever happened awesome. to me. You know, my daughter, you know, you're talking about expectations and things like that. So my daughter's like six feet tall. She's been six feet tall since she's like oh. two. So I'm thinking mm -hmm. I'm going to have yeah. the best basketball player yeah. in the world yeah. by the time I train right, her and sure. everything. And, you know, and I'm like, that was, that was, that was my yeah. dream. And I'm like, she's going to be the best basketball player in the world when I get to work. Because she was like six feet tall when she was like yeah, six or seven, sure. to be honest with you. I'm like, yeah. oh, man. When I get yeah. her, I'm going to get her the best yeah. teachers. I'm going to work with her. She's going to be great. So I said, I put her in the basketball. I'm like, I don't think she likes yeah. basketball. I said, she's, I said, you know, you got to bang. She said, Dad, I'm bigger than other girls. I might hurt them. I said, that's the objective. <laughs> Kick their ass. And she didn't she didn't like basketball. And it was traumatic yeah. for me. And I was like, then I put her in volleyball. Then I put her in lacrosse. I put mm -hmm. her in soccer. And then one day I, I called, hey, can I talk to you? I says, uh, do you like sports? Dad, I don't like sports at all. And I was like, yeah. what? How, how old like was she then? Was she high school? I think 15, she was like 15, 16. And I says, okay. And I, going back to that thing you were talking about earlier, like she was a straight A student. She's really nice. She's a great person. And I was like, I'm proud yeah. of her. It's not her. It's not, it's not, her, it's not my life. Yeah. It's her yeah. life. So, yeah, so I'm pro so proud that it goes back to you talking about she's a nice yeah. kid. She got a great husband. Being a really good person, I'm so proud of the woman mm -hmm. she is, the wife and mother she is. But I tell all these guys, man, basketball is what you do. Yeah. It's not yeah, who you are. That's a hard one. But, but, but that, that's, that's the toughest thing about being a jock because if, if, if basketball is your whole life, Cause you said some earlier. Okay, you're the best when you're a teenager. Then you go to high school, and then you get some of y'all gonna get left mm -hmm. behind. Then you go to college. Most of y'all mm -hmm. gonna get left behind. Mm -hmm. Then you go to the NBA. Yeah, ninety-nine point nine percent of y'all are gonna be left mm -hmm. behind. And if your whole life has been house dribbling a stupid basketball. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a struggle yeah. for you. Your daughter, let's say 20 years from now, Charles Barkley gets a 30 for 30, or you probably already have one, and they sit your daughter down and they go, what was your dad like? What do you hope she says? Great question. So he made sure I was smart. He made sure I was strong. He made sure I was treated correctly. But I think the main thing, he says, I could call my dad Anytime, if something was going bad, and he'd be like, I'll be on a mm -hmm. plane tomorrow. I'm really proud. I think I did a good job. As I get criticized all the time, I say, you've been a great kid so far. All I, So that's like my favorite line to her. I said, so, yeah, he's so dad, I'm you've been a great kid so far. And I said, hey, you know, hey, it's a fluid situation. You can go off the deep end any day now. You never know, Bob. But you know, like, that's funny. But you know what I love? Um, 
you watch these famous people get celebrated and uh, whatever it is, a book, a story, a movie, and they interview the kids. And it's kind of the last thing they go, what, do you, what was your relationship like with your dad? And they go, yeah, he wasn't around that much. Yeah. It sounds like your daughter would say, my dad was always there, which is pretty damn good. Man, you know, it's really important because, and, and I think it's probably because of my dad's situation too, in fairness, to be honest with you, Bob. Like I never, you know, me and my dad made peace later in life. But at that point, I had to, I, I was learning on my own. So I had mm -hmm. to learn everything on my own, but I got lucky that I, man, I told you, going to the, the one thing I hate about the NBA today, they don't have enough veterans on a team. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. you go to a team and the guy, the oldest guy on the team is like 25. Yeah. He don't know anything at 25. Yeah, you know, no. I think every NBA team should have an old guy on the team says, hey, you can talk to me about money. You can talk about me how to dress. Yeah. You can talk to me about practice habits and work habits. Trying to learn some of a guy who's been in the NBA, even though he's been in the NBA for three or four years, he's only like 23 years old. He can't teach me anything at 23. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. hasn't been in the real world. Yeah. So, but I, I, so that's I, great. I, want, I think you're right. I want to be there for my daughter. No, and you are. And, and uh, last thing I'll say is one, appreciate coming on. And two, to that point you just made, Iguodala is almost twice the age of Kaminga. Almost twice the age. But what Iguodala says to Jonathan Kaminga <clears throat> is a thousand times more important than anything I could say or Steve could say because he's done it. He's walked that path. Um, so you're right. Part of – we do need more vets. I, yeah. I'm, I'm partly to blame, like people in my position. But that's for another day too. Yeah. No, but no. But first of all, you – you listen, your vets – and I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not blowing smoke in my ass. I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. Even Looney. Good, good. You got yeah. some of the best vets yeah. in the history yeah. of the sport. Yeah. I mean, and I say, and, and listen, right. you built that thing, but I'm telling you, every team would kill to have your yeah. leadership. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, I, and I'm not going to say, I'm not saying that just because mm -hmm. I'm on your podcast, mm -hmm. because one thing about pro sports, it's all about clicks. There's guys on your team you click with. Yeah. And if you click with an it can go off the rails really, really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've been on teams like that. Yeah. And it's funny. Yeah. If, if I was doing this in your day, um, it would have been fun to try to put something around you. You know, it'd have been interesting because you're, you're pre I tell Draymond, one of the best things about, and you share this too, is when you walk in a room, everybody knows you just walked in the room. That's nothing you, that's just who you are. And I, that's a compliment. They also know when you leave the room, Thank um, but that you can't have 10 of those guys. You can maybe have a couple because they take up a lot of space, but it would have been fun to try to figure it out with you. Um, Mostly because I think you love basketball and you're an unbelievable player and um, fascinating guy. So this was great, Charles. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Hey, hey man, how much respect I got for you. Uh, we we, yeah, we have our private conversation. Yeah. I respect 
always appreciate it. But yep, thank you awesome, for having thank me, you brother. And, uh, congrats on everything. We'll talk again, but thanks for coming on. Appreciate it.